So if you want to join her, go for it. Um, The rest of us, we will be in Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 25. And I told the sound room, I'm not going to be... uh, like reading the whole chunk. So if you want to, it might be beneficial. There's free apps all over your app store that you can download. Search Bible and put one on your phone. Or open, some of you might remember, paper? I have one of these. Um, Either way, it's God's Word. It doesn't matter to me. But it might be helpful for you to have it open. Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 25 is kind of what we're going to be working through Uh, But I'm not going to read it all together, so it's easier to just kind of have it to look at and reference. Um, You might find that handy. I think it's good. I always want to to have us know how to use it ourselves. If if your full dose of God's Word is me once a week, that is really, really not. You're going to starve to death. Because I'm I'm not feeding you well, first of all, as well as this is, so... This is what you really need, not me. Um, And once a week is not enough either. So it's good to know how to use it, where things are, how to open it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the four stories of Jesus' life. They appear at the very beginning of the New Testament. Which, you know, I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid in Sunday school, uh, my Sunday school teacher told me a little trick. If you open the Bible right in the middle, it'll be in the Psalms. Which I'm going to see if I can do it. Right there. Yeah, Psalms. Right? And then if you take the second half and open it right in the middle, you should be in the New Testament. Matthew. So there, if you do that, then you can go Matthew, Mark, Luke. That's where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 8. Not Matthew 8. Luke 8. There we go. So if you can flip your way there or tap your way there. Um, I don't know a neat trick for finding it on your iPhone app. Just tap the top and go down to Luke. Uh, <laughs> but... uh. Last week, so last week Jim talked with us about the, the parable that appears in this chapter um, that many of us are probably familiar with, the parable of the sower, where the farmer scatters the seed and it falls on different soil. Yeah, I was thinking about it too. We often, I have, I have often read that parable and said, well, which of these, there's four different types of soil, right? There's this whole um, thing, and some do this, that. You you might be familiar with it. I'm not going to preach that sermon again. But we often read that, and we go, well, which of these four soils go to heaven? And the whole point of the parable is Jesus saying, be that one. (laughs) Doesn't matter. We're asking the wrong question. We should be asking, which one am I? So he talked about that, but what it comes down to, what, it, what he pointed out really well, is that this is not a parable about what soil you are. It's a parable about, are you hearing what God is saying? Are you hearing what God's Word says? And Jim talked to us about how hearing and doing in the Jewish mind of this era is really the same thing. If you didn't do it, you didn't hear it. Don't tell me, you know, that whole, you know, are you listening? Did you hear me? You know, don't tell me you heard me if you're not doing what I said. That's sort of the same thing in their mind. Now, so I started thinking about that. And as I look at this whole chapter, Luke does something really fascinating, right? Because we're, we, we hear that. You hear somebody like me say, are you doing <laughs> what God says? Um, and I think 
all of us here ought to probably be able to agree no. I mean, we all struggle. We absolutely, I mean, don't, if you don't think you struggle to be obedient to Jesus, you might be fooling yourself. Because we, we deal with all sorts of fears and loneliness and insecurities and longings that, that we as human beings just so often find shortcuts to, or what appear to be shortcuts, turns out they're leading us off a cliff more often than not, but we struggle to obey. This text, the, the, the parable that Jesus told there that Jim talked to us about, is about hearing and obeying. And then it's fascinating because Luke follows that up with reasons. That's what we need too, isn't it? Like we need reasons. I got a thousand reasons not to obey. I got all kinds of things I can find, shortcuts, oh, excuses. I, I don't have time, right? I, I got all kinds of reasons not to. Luke gives, he knows what we all know, that our whole world is ruled by our affections. The things that we love will determine how we behave. It just always does. I love sleeping in. I can't get to church early, right? I, I, I love laziness, so I'm going to binge watch, right? I, I, the things I love will determine how I live my life. And Luke here gives us reasons to turn our affections toward Jesus and toward things, reasons to obey. That's what it is. That's what he does. Reasons that we might want to obey. Not just, okay, I'll slug through. No, 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 that doesn't work. Reasons to go, yes, I want that, not that. So, I'm, and I'm going to show you how he does this. Remember, he's talking about hearing, right? And in verse 15, the very end of that parable... This is what he says. This is what the, the whole parable comes down to. As for that in the good soil, there are those, listen, who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The roots go deep in God's word and fruit comes out. Now, I didn't notice this until I started prepping for this today's sermon as I looked at the text. Um, if you are, if you've been, uh, if you've studied English, or I, I suppose more properly grammar, right, English grammar, if, you, if you've been around a high school recently, you might remember this, or maybe this is middle school, I don't remember now. But note, if you've got your Bible open, this is why, this is why it helps to have it, right? If, note this, the beginning of verse 16, there's a, a quotation mark, one of these little things, Right? Now, there's not one at the end of verse 15. Now, if you remember from middle school grammar, I guess, where that comes from, if, if somebody is quoting uh, a whole big passage of text, right, if you, if you were to quote what I'm saying right now, when I stop a paragraph, you don't put a quote mark. You put one at the beginning of the next paragraph if I'm continuing to talk, right? Does that make sense? You guys with me? I'm just basic grammar, basic English. Is that grammar or punctuation? I don't know. Punctuation? Okay, punctuation. G Here's the point. Jesus didn't stop talking. He said, what well, we just read, if you're hearing it, holding it fast, bear fruit with patience. Listen, verse 16. No one, 
after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. This is a commentary on bearing good fruit. Jesus is saying, if your roots grow deep in God's word, you will bear good fruit. Why? So that those who enter may see the light. Verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to the light. Look, take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Take care how you hear. You want to obey? Here's your reason to obey. You get more. If you do, if you hear, if you take care and you bear fruit, you get more. What does that look like? See, I thought about this. Why is Jesus making this commentary? Because light in a dark room is a gift to those in the darkness. The fruit that we bear that comes out of plants that grow deep, right, in God's Word, keeping this image alive, is for the good of the world. Paul later will talk about the fruit, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. You got any neighbors who that describes, and they just tick you off? Love, yeah, darn people. I I saw recently something on Facebook, somebody was complaining, saying something like, Christians shouldn't be so hateful. This is the context of what they said. I don't think we can, I don't think there's any argument there. (laughs) I don't think anybody, I don't think anyone would be like, yeah, you're right, Christians should be hateful. How dare you, right? We're not going to fight over that. Of course not. Love, joy, peace, patience. I didn't hear hateful. Right? We, that's what we should be. Why would somebody even put that on Facebook? Unless they had an experience that made them think sometimes they were. The fruit that grows out of roots that grow deep in God's word are a gift to the world. No, if, if, if we are hearing, if we're taking care how we hear, then the fruit that grows our neighbors, our community, they're going to be thankful for it. Not for us, but for the fruit that grows. Jesus, in another place, talks about something similar to this concept of if you have, if you're growing good fruit, um, you get more of it, and if you're not, it'll be taken away. He, he uses a agricultural um, metaphor. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase drastically to bring it into something we might understand. So this is sort of the st- a story Jesus tells at, at another point. The farmer has a wheat field, and he wants to grow wheat in that field. And there's a soybean plant sucking up all the water in the field, right in the middle of the field. You know what the farmer's going to do? He's going to go out and he's going to rip that soybean plant right out of the ground. So he doesn't want that. He wants wheat. See, that's what Jesus means. If we grow the fruit that God is trying to grow in us, we get more of it. But if we don't, it's ripped out. Now, we have this problem, I think. It's God's field. And God's going to grow the fruit he wants to grow. If this story is true, this creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that God made the world good and put us in it to bless it, 
to bring good and beauty and life and to offer gifts to the world, then it's his field. And he gets to choose what kind of fruit we bear. And if we don't, he doesn't want it. And he'll take it away. It will be taken, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. The problem is we sometimes think, the heck with that, this is my field. I can grow what I want to grow. I'm going to be what I want to be. Don't you dare tell me I can't be judgmental. Don't tell me I can't have everything I want. Don't tell me how to manage my sexuality. Don't tell me how to spend my money. This is my field, my plant. Self-righteousness and moral justification will define my life because I am better than you. That's my field, right? It's not God's field. I'll grow the fruit I darn well please. We have a tendency to do that. Now, I think it's worth saying this. Some of us here today, right now, may be thinking, yes, yeah, my field. <laughs> my field. Others of us here have had seasons in our lives where we absolutely lived that way. And all of us here probably will again because we struggle. We struggle to remember that we are not our own. We don't get to determine that, right? But if this defines the reality of the world, if God really is the king of the universe, then it really is his field. And that's just the way it goes. And we all know this, too. If you've tried to sort of grow the fruit you darn well please and do what you want to do and not be told... I will not be told how to manage my life. I know you're laughing because I know how that went. Right? And we've all done that, and it never goes well. We all know it, right? We keep trying. We'll keep banging our head against the wall sometimes, but we keep trying. And it just doesn't go well. Why? Because it's true. Even what he thinks he has will be taken away. That's just how the world functions. It's proof, if you ask me, that experience that we have is proof that this story is true, that Jesus really knew what he was talking about. Bear the fruit that comes from hearing and doing the word of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? You get more and more of that. Bear the fruit that comes from being your own darn person and doing your own thing and whatever you please. Yeah, that's not going to work out. And you're only going to suffer. It's not going to make us happy. That's one reason we get more of it. We ought to want more of it. We ought to want to be a blessing to the world. We, we ought to want our neighbors to be like, I'm sure glad they live next to me. We ought to want our community to say, Bismarck Community Church they are making this a better world. The more we do, the more we get. That's one reason. Now, another proof, I think, that this story is real, right? Not only the fact that it really does work that way, but also the longings that we have, all of us, I think, for connection. Connection with other people, certainly, but I think ultimately even with our Creator. We want to be wanted 
and we are we have relational connections when we hear. Listen to this, verse 19. Then, see, it's brilliant what Luke has done. Parable, explanation of the parable, and then he gives us this story. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. That's the second time in Luke that a crowd has prevented people from getting to Jesus. And, and he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, listen, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, let me just point out that Jesus is not here abandoning his family, nor is he advocating it. There are plenty of other scenes where they are with him, where they are around him, even on the cross as he is dying a few years later, he is thinking about his mother. Jesus is teaching something about relational connection. What it means to truly be family. And he says, my family are those who hear and do it. We all want to be wanted, don't we? I, I was thinking about this scene in um, the, the, the TV series Lost. We've all seen Lost, right? One of these days I'm going to do a whole teaching series on that show. It, it's a great show. Um, it's, it, it, there's a lot of gospel themes and, and what I call echoes of Eden. Sort of in it, there's these longings for the way things ought to be. And there's this one character, and I'm not going to give away too much. If, if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it. But there's this one guy named John, and John has a terribly broken relationship with his father. It's, it's not good. His father, and his father is a terrible person. He's stolen from him and conned him and, I mean, just not a good guy. And, and, and he has recently stolen from John and really hurt him. And, and John wants nothing more than connection. And so John will get up some mornings real early and go sit in his VW Beetle in front of his dad's house and drink his coffee just because he just wants to be near him. And, and his father keeps avoiding him as much as possible. And so he's sitting there one of these mornings, and he's often done this, and he's sitting in front of his dad's house and drinking his coffee and his BW, and, and he's looking at the house, and his father gets in the car and sits in the passenger seat right next to him. Surprises him, and they end up having this conversation does not go very well. In fact, the conversation ends as his father's getting out of the car. He closes the door and he says, John, you're not wanted. And it's heartbreaking. And John sits there in the driver's seat after his father says that and walks away and weeps. Some of us know too well what that feels like. Maybe you haven't been told that. Maybe, maybe you've told yourself that even. Because we want to be wanted. We want to have connection. We want to know that someone wants us. And here Jesus says we can have that connection, not only with one another, but with him, with our maker. Like family. Our deepest longings for connection can ultimately be met in Christ. We're all longing for that, right? We're all longing to be, to, to be, our two deepest desires, every human being, and I've said this before, and I will continue to say it because we got to hear it, our two deepest desires are to be known and to be loved, to be fully known and to be fully loved, but we all live in utter fear that we might be fully known 
and not fully loved. And so we all end up settling for not being known and being sort of semi-loved. And neither one of those is fulfilling, and we ache for connection. And in Christ, we actually get both. He knows, and he loves. And the gospel deals with that. In fact, this is the real crux of it, I think, here. When most of us hear this phrase, those who hear the word of God and do it, this is really sad, and I think it's evidence that our hearts are sometimes crusted over by brokenness. What we hear is moral perfection. What we hear is, if I keep all the checklist, then. But as I read this book, as I read the words of Jesus, and as I, I look at cover to cover the, the things and the way it's dealt with, it doesn't seem to me that the primary thing that Jesus is saying here is those who hear what I'm saying and live morally perfect lives. I don't, I don't think that's what he's calling us to. I think he's calling us to maybe repentant lives. Maybe humility. Maybe he's saying those who hear what I'm saying will recognize that they need to come to me the way we just did in our confession where we say, Jesus, I can't do it. I can't make it. I can't earn it. I can't keep up with all the stuff. It's just too much. Help me. There's no better way to be relationally connected to Jesus than to come before him and say, help. And man, he is right there. Every time. We come before him in need and in humility and in longing. He will meet us. And we will know that we are held by the king of creation in that moment. And not only then, <clears throat> not only then with him do we have a relational connection, we have it with each other. Because we can, we can actually be the church when we believe the gospel. We can actually be people who come in here and go, man, I'm sorry. I, 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 of course I hurt you. I, I hurt people. I'm hurt. Hurt people hurt people, right? It's hard. I'm sorry, Jesus forgives me, will you? And we can look at you and go, oh, yeah, me too. Come here, bring it in. Because that's what the gospel allows for us to have, relational connection beyond what the networks and the things that we try to build in this world can possibly do. Only in the gospel can we actually have our needs for relationship fully and completely met. And that's work. But that's another reason to hear well what it is Jesus is saying to us. Because we can have our, we can be wanted. We can feel wanted. We can feel the connection that we long for so bad. Because the more we hear and do, the more we actually get. Right? The more fruit we grow, the more water we get, the more fertilizer we get, and the more fruit we grow, love, joy, peace, patience, not being better than anyone else. Those are two reasons. And the last reason that we see in verses 22 through 25, I think is that it's the normal state of being. 
hearing and doing what the king of creation says is, that's just normal, right? It's what we were made to be. Let me, let me read this. 22, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell fast asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling <coughs> with water and were in danger. And they went <coughs> and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. The winds and the water obey him. See, this text, oh my, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not going to, this is not the sermon, but that, that text is not about Jesus is going to calm your storms. I know, I know, I know some of us, maybe that's the only way we've ever understood it, and I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but I would rather give you what it really is, then let you believe that. That text is about two things. Number one, obedience to the king of creation is the normal state of affairs. The wind and the water obey him. You know, I, I, some of you, if you know chemistry, um, you're going to come up and probably, I'd like to think, refine my thinking rather than, than correct me. But as I thought about this, I thought, I remember, like, freshman chem class in college where they said that elements and atoms even want to be in their normal state. This is the reason, that, like, if you put baking soda and vinegar together, you have an explosion. Or things explode because they're searching for normal. They want to be in their normal state. Lightning exists because things in the sky and things on the land want to, to be in their normal state of affairs. They want to be the way it's supposed supposed to be. All of creation wants to obey the king of creation. It's the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's the natural state of affairs. And then <clears throat> the other thing that I think this text is about is the question that they ask. Who then is this? See, we often read that, right, and we think, oh, good, Jesus calms my storms. No, this text is telling us it's not about your storm. It's about the king of creation. Who then is this? Jesus. The one that can calm raging storms on the sea. Jesus. The one who has a mission and an agenda that will not fail. See, that's the interesting thing about this passage. They get, they get scared, and he says, where is your faith? Because he's been trying to tell them now who he is. And he's like, if you guys would get it, you would know that I got it in a couple of years, I'm going to die and come back to life. And it's not here on this boat. He has a mission that can't fail. Right? They're, not, they're not seeing that completely. They're not understanding. That's why he asks the question, where is your faith? It's like, don't you understand that my agenda, my mission 
will not fail. Who then is this? The king of creation who has an agenda, a mission to one day have a new heaven and a new earth. One day has already told us, already told us, that one day every knee in heaven on earth and under the earth is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord. That, that when that day happens, we will rise together and sit around a banquet table and eat the best meal and drink the best wine any of you have ever had. Every tear will be wiped away. And we will stand together with the very angels in heaven and we will sing glory to the Lamb of God. That's his agenda. That is his mission. And it will not fail. It cannot fail. And so when we hit the storms of life and we get fearful, doesn't mean Jesus necessarily will calm that storm. Let me tell you, the fact of the matter is, it might kill you. It just may. In fact, all of us, eventually, one way or another, we're going to reach the end. We will lose things. We will suffer. But know this, the mission of Jesus to make all things new and wipe away every tear will not fail. And Jesus is standing here, and part of this is, as we look at this concept of are we going to hear and obey, Jesus is saying, your agenda, your mission is going to fail. It might outlast you, fair enough, depending on what our missions are, what our longings are. Our missions and our agendas may very well outlast us, but ultimately, they will fail. Whatever you love may last another 150, 300, 400, 1,000 years, but it will ultimately fail. And Jesus is saying to us, I've got a mission, I've got an agenda that you can buy into that will never fail. Let go of the things that you think you want. Let go of your, your dreams of security or financial success or job status or accomplishments or dreams or changing that person. Let go and buy into my agenda, he says, because I am the king of creation who calms the wind and the waves I am the one, he says, who invites you to participate and grow the fruit in the field of the kingdom of heaven. Love, joy, peace, patience, grow that. Let our roots go deep in the soil of God's word. Because that's just what we're made to do. We get to be what we want to be. We get to be what we were made to be. We get to grow more fruit and we get to connect to God and to one another. All of that comes free when we buy into the mission and the agenda of the king of creation. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, you are good. Thank you for your mission. Help us to let go of the things that we love more than you. Give us a vision that reminds us that 
We're your people. Meet us in this meal and remind us that we will celebrate again with you. It's in your name. Amen.